0: To the Explorers, time-traveling through history, one era at a time. I'm Kate Armstrong. In the lead-up to Christmas, I'm releasing some bonus episodes that until now have only been available to patrons of the show. Consider it my present to you for being such excellent listeners. Thanks for making me a part of your lives in 2021. Now, let's spend some time in ancient China, shall we? Grab a warhorse and a whole lot of bronze, let's go traveling. This episode is brought to you by my patrons, and I'm going to thank some of them now. My newest pirate queens, Albina, Lisa, Holly, and Lackle Rackle. My newest lady president, Savannah. My newest boss lady, Terry, and Amy, Annabelle, Bethany, Bronwyn, Elizabeth, Grace, Kara, Michelle, Monique, Nuria, Rebecca, Sarah, Tanya, Jessica, Sophie and Julian. My newest adventuress, Emily, and Anna, Carlos, Helena, Iris, Jessica, Amber, Joe Marie, Kelly, Phil, Sophie, Stephanie C, and Stephanie F my warrior queens, Alexis, Kate, June, Lori, and Avery, my imperial empresses, Samara, Katie, and Faye and Whimsy Soapworks, and my lady pharaohs, the three divine Courtney's. Patrons not only really help me keep the show going, but they also get access to exclusive bonuses just like this one, as well as Q&As, sneak peeks, interviews with guests, early access to all my episodes, cool contests, and more. To find out all about it, just go to my website. patrons. Today, I give you one more woman from the ancient world, one who was very nearly lost to us. Welcome to a tale full of mystery, murder, divination, treasure, and a queen who wouldn't let even time keep her down. In 1899 in China, a place called Anyang, a sick member of Wang Yirong's family sent out to a pharmacist for turtle shells, which would be ground up to make some traditional medicine. But somebody in the family noticed that they were inscribed with strange characters. To the average citizen, at first they looked like chicken scratch, but Wang Yirong was an expert on ancient Chinese texts and he knew what they really were, an early form of Chinese script. They were the first written proof that the Shang Dynasty existed, the first archaeological evidence of an ancient indigenous civilization in China, which flourished from 1600 to about 1045 BCE. For years, the Shang were a myth. You could only find them mentioned in texts from the Zhou Dynasty, hundreds of years after the Shang fell from power but the stories of their workings were lying in wait in the Yellow River Plain, where they'd been hiding for centuries, and buried at the heart of it all, an incredible queen. Wang Yirong became the first major collector of what pharmacists called dragon bones, and which others called oracle bones. Shang diviners cleaned and treated them, then thinned them out by drilling notches in the back. The diviners would inscribe them with predictions for the future, Things like, In the next 10 days, there will be no disasters. And, Lady Howe's childbearing will be good. Then they would apply a hot object until the surface cracked, and the king himself would read the cryptic fissures. Both the prediction and answer were engraved on the shell, and sometimes even the actual outcome. So we know for sure what happened with Lady Howe's childbearing. After 31 days, Lady Howe gave birth. It was not good. It was a girl. Ah, history. Predictable, as ever. There was a lot of bickering about the shell's authenticity. The dealers who sold them didn't want to reveal the secret of where they came from, a small village outside Anyang called Zetun. There was a lot of upheaval in China, and not a lot of room for curiosity. It wasn't until after the Qing Dynasty fell in 1911 that archaeologists started digging in earnest, looking for a fresh perspective on the past. The earliest digs followed the trails of those first looters and dealers. Over 15 seasons, in the 1920s and 30s, more than 100,000 oracle bones were discovered, and they revealed a lot about the Shang. So, what do we know? According to legend, the dynasty got started when a tribal chief named Tang defeated the so-called evil leader of the Xia dynasty. The Shang dynasty was governed by a series of kings, some 29 or 30 of them, over almost 600 years. The Bronze Age in China saw developments in literature, math, and astrology. They gave us the earliest form of Chinese writing. Much of it was done on strips of bamboo and silk, which have decomposed over time. So the oracle bones and some inscriptions on bronze are really all we have of them. Writing helped them develop a highly stratified government system with many levels of rank that impacted the social structure. And it allowed them to carry out large-scale military operations, construct some impressive walls, and a whole lot more. Artisans created artwork made from jade and ceramics, but their most impressive work was made of bronze. In this era, bronze equaled power and wealth, and the Shang seemed to have crafted it with more artistry than anyone. They perfected a technique known as piece mold casting, as opposed to the lost wax method all other Bronze Age cultures were using. It's a complicated process where a mold is made out of clay, an artist carves a design into it, and then someone pours molten bronze right in. After that, the mold is cracked and falls away, leaving the finished piece for inscribing. Bronze was used primarily for ceremonial vessels. We've found one bronze wine cask that weighs some 200 pounds, but it was also used to make tools for war. Bronze weapons gave the Shang military an advantage over their enemies. New weapons like the bronze-tipped halberd and spear and the compound bow changed the military game. The chariots, specifically, shifted the way they waged warfare. They let commanders supervise their troops from afar, and their speed and agility gave soldiers an edge. Around 1300 BCE, we think the region of modern-day Anyang around the Yellow River became their capital, the place from which the kings ruled. At its heart were palaces and temples, and just outside it, the city's stone and bronze workers. It's hard to say what life was really like for the Shang, especially for its women. The oracle bones give us a picture of a kingdom often at war with its neighbors. The bones suggest that kings sent out armies as big as 13,000 soldiers. When they were victorious, they often brought back prisoners of war, who often became part of ritual sacrifices. More on that bloody tidbit in a minute. The bones give us a lot of interesting details, records of wars and harvests, births and deaths, even kingly toothaches. They also tell us of Wu Ding, the 21st Shang King, and one of its richest. He ruled for something like 59 long years. But move over, Wu, because you're not the star of this episode. I want to talk about your queen consort, Fu Hao. The excavations at Xiatun uncovered thousands of graves, including nine massive tombs thought to be those of the final Shang kings. But in 1976, under one particular hill came the best prize of all, the tomb of Lady Fu Hao, the first unlooted Shang tomb ever found by archeologists. And it turns out that she was much more than a consort to a king. What we know, and admittedly, it's not a lot, is that King Wu Ding cemented alliances with his neighbors by marrying a woman from each of them. He had a lot of wives, some sources say upward of 60, Wu was busy? We can only really imagine life for Fu Hao as one of many women in the semi-matriarchal slave-wife-harem situation. But it says a lot about her that she's able, through manipulation, smarts, charm, or the sheer force of her will, to rise above the other 59 to become one of the top queen bees. But she didn't just look really good in a throne room. She was a military general as well, a very rare thing for her time and place. Her tomb had over a hundred weapons to prove it, and the oracle bones found there sure back up her military might. She led several campaigns against neighboring tribes. One oracle bone asks specifically whether Fu Hao should gather soldiers before an attack. Another says the king had assembled soldiers for one of her campaigns himself. One of her excursions is thought by some to be the earliest recorded large-scale ambush in Chinese history. Fu Hao could slay... She led from the front and she did it with serious gravitas. She participated in religious rituals too, another male-dominated profession. The Shang worshipped a supreme god named Shang who ruled over lesser gods of the sun, moon, wind, rain, and other elements. They worshipped their ancestors too. They might be in some form of heaven, but that didn't mean they couldn't weigh in on the lives of those left behind. And if they didn't pay the ancestors' respect, they feared that it might cause calamity. As king, her husband had control over all ritual matters, but she obviously had a lot of sway with him, because he repeatedly instructed her to conduct special rituals and sacrifices herself. She also owned her own land, so girl was killing it. In her tomb, archaeologists found a wooden chamber five meters long and three and a half meters wide. Sadly, her lacquered coffin had long since rotted away. Below it, though, were the remains of six dogs, probably hers. Maybe she wanted them in the afterlife? And evidence of human sacrifice. This seems to have been a regular practice. The Shang spirits demanded blood on a regular basis. Fu's tomb held the remains of 16 skeletons. Researchers also found a host of treasures, 468 bronzes, 750 jades, and over 110 fancy stones. It also held 60 bronze wine vessels. Fu Hao wasn't going into the afterlife unprepared. It seems that Wu Ding made sacrifices there himself in hopes of receiving her spiritual assistance in battle. If you wanted some good advice about warfare, Fu Hao was the go-to source, even in death. thanks for listening. If you liked this bonus, you may want to consider becoming a patron of the show. Your few dollars a month go an incredibly long way in helping me to keep the show going. And you'll find dozens of bonus episodes to enjoy over on the Explores Patreon about everything from life for women in ancient Persia to a deep dive into the history of high heels. There are other ways to support the show, too. Tell a friend about it, leave a review wherever you listen, talk about it on social media, or go explore my website, theexplorespodcast.com. Thanks, as always, to Mr. Explores for my theme music. and logo, and to you, my lovely listeners.